Welcome to the JA Show. We are so excited, so excited. We have an outstanding guest today. And you know, if you want to level up your career in sales, learn what it takes to have that personal success that you've been desiring for and really learning from someone who truly cares. Now, we have a great person to speak today about all these themes. He can truly ignite the fire for sales doing it the right way, especially in 2020 and beyond as well for you and your team. But before we start, we want to thank our sponsor, The Sales Rebellion. The Sales Rebellion changes the game in the ever so boring sales bullpen. They can teach you to cause undeniable curiosity, wander your territory, breathe life into your pipeline and take your prospects on an adventure. Whether you're an army of one or a team of 10,000, the Sales Rebellion has something for you. They bring one-on-one coaching, team boot camps, public speaking engagements, and sales curriculum to the next level. And they also have a monthly membership program to really sharpen your sales game. So you can contact them at www.thesalesrebellion.com. And so we are so, so excited to have our guests all the way from Texas, USA, we have Joshua Deshay. Welcome, Joshua, to the show. Hey, it's great to be here, Laura. I'm, I'm so glad that we're getting to chat. Uh, it's amazing, isn't it? You think you, you have all these amazing relationships and connections, but to get really deep and also understand what we can give to the world. And so Joshua, he's a head sales coach and trainer for the Sales Rebellion, one of the most dynamic sales coaching, training and leadership organizations in the world. And I know because I've met with the people for sure. And also he's a national director of Chels Partnerships for First Star HR. And his goal, I love this, is to drive new business through a multitude of different avenues. And so I want to talk more about your experience, Joshua, because I think there's so much that you can share with our listeners. There's so much that, you know, they can also take away and really reflect on as well, especially in today's times. So he's worn many hats in his career and he's honest in saying that most of them haven't fit and some of them, you know, they do. But he recognizes that all of them have made him who he is today. And he's helped so many organizations throughout his career, ones that struggle, and then also the ones that have, you know, they've become best in the world as well. And so when we see his amazing experience, I thought we'd start off with, I know he's really good at asking the right questions. So, you know, Joshua, talk to us about why it's so important to know and really ask the right questions as well. A lot of it comes to motive. Right. What's what's mm. your what's your reason for asking the question, first of all? Because again, asking questions should be about getting to know someone else. Right? I mean that whether you're personal or it's in business, the idea of asking the right questions is to ask a question to a point, right, where now all of a sudden you know that person better. Um, too many people in business and in sales get to this point, right, where the questions they ask are all based upon what it is they want to know at that moment, not about that what is it is so they true. want to learn about mm. the other person. Mm-hmm. And so think about what our motivations are for asking questions, first of all, and that's what you have to do first. The second thing is in terms of asking the right questions is we've got to get to a point, right, where 
we have an end game for whatever discussion it is. And the end game has to be, if you do it the right way, in my opinion, the end game is not a sale. It's not a commission check. The end game is you bringing value to the person that you're asking questions to. So it's such a different that, mindset, isn't it? When you think that way, you give so much more to your customers. You really do. Because again, I think we're taught in business and in sales to ask leading questions to get us closer to an answer that we want to hear. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, what happens? When you ask questions in a way that, that self-promotes you and your interests, you can trick people into getting, giving you the answers you want. You can trick people into saying yes to a product and paying you. But you sully your name, you hurt your reputation, you have lower customer, um, you ha- you have lower customer service scores. You have lower you have lower appreciation for what it is you do across the board. Yeah. When we definitely. go into any conversation with the idea that I want to make sure that I do what is valuable for the person on the other end of the table, whether it's a friend, a family member, a relative, um, a potential client. Now you're actually digging deep into what it is they care about, what they love. And the questions really are just a catalyst to get them to talk to you, to open up. And there's such a a difference in not only the conversation, the stress level of the conversation, but also in the way that you feel after the conversation. That's so key, how you said the stress level of the conversation. And when you think about sales, you should be thinking about what value and what you have, you know, we talked about that before, because if you see the stress levels, think maybe that's not the right question. <laughs> well, and, and think of it too. I mean, okay. If I'm selling you something, Laura, you're going to sit down knowing that I sell this product. You're, you know, that out of all of this, I want to sell you a product. You know that at this point, I'm going to overcome objections that you have you know that I'm going to pitch what I have. You know that I'm going to take whatever it is you say. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking I'm going to use it against you. It's just how that works. And so when we sit down, you're automatically at a, at a level of stress that's higher than normal. Me, I know that your first inclination is going to push back against what it is I'm trying to sell. So therefore I'm going to have to, um, overcome the objections you have. I'm going to have to figure out how to meet the objectives and goals that I have that month for my sales quotas. So my stress level is up. Mm. And when we sit down and we understand that my main goal here is to provide you with value as the salesperson to you. And I sit down and say, here's what I want to do. I just want to ask you some questions. I don't want to sell you anything. The stress level immediately falls. Just drops. Mm. Walls that are put up fall. You're able to breathe and go, oh, okay, good. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to buy. It just shows that you really care. Right? Well, and it does, right? Yeah. And, and what, what it really does, think about it this way too. When you're talking to a salesperson, you have an automatic defense mechanism built in the minute it sounds like I'm about to try to sell you, you have a script that comes up. And that script is what you are going to tell me in response. 
So the minute I start selling you, well, Josh, right now, we're just not in the market. Josh, right now, we're on a spending freeze. Josh, right now, all, excuses, all of that. Right? And it's going through your mind, right? That's yeah. And you know it. We've done it before. The person starts to sell us in our mind, okay, which one of these scripts do I go to right now? And the idea of the salesperson is to be real and human and vulnerable and empathetic and transparent. And when you can do that and you can come out and say, hey, I want you to know I'm not trying to sell you anything today. I just want to get to know you better. You don't know what to say next as the person that I'm selling to because you were already ready for me to sell you and you were going through the scripts in your mind uh, with what you were going to tell me next. And so now when I say that, you go, Whew, okay, and now I have your attention. Mm-hmm. And so to me, you asked about the questions and asking the right questions. It all starts, asking the right questions all start with a mindset that we are going to ease tension and ease stress within this discussion. Um, and so that's the first step. The second step, really, when it comes to asking the right questions is understanding, right, that this client this or this potential client in front of you has a need. Mm-hmm. And the questions should all be based upon what it is they want. And so it's, it's, a, weird, it's a weird thing to go, go through, right? Because you have needs and wants. But in the end, my job is to ask you questions about what it is you want, not about what it is you need. Because I may have what you need, but you may not want that. And then if we're both fighting back and forth on need and want, now all of a sudden, right, the, the conversation gets tense again and stressful. Mm -hmm. So it's always easier in my, in my view, to ask you about your wants. Mm -hmm. And I understand that by asking you what your wants are, I'll eventually find out what it is you need. But it's, it's much easier to talk about and it's much more enjoyable for you to talk about things that you want, not things that you absolutely need. So to me, asking the right questions is talking about want, not necessarily need. And it's setting up the conversation in a way that lowers stress levels. Now, I can see just by everything that you said, Josh, that you're so success focused as well. Like you really care. And, you know, but you're also so genuine. And, you know, I've heard you say that success hasn't always followed me, but I chase it until I learn how to achieve it. And I know you hate to lose and you love winning. So tell us about that success journey. I think that everyone has a point where they're ready to be successful and everybody says that they're ready to be, but in actuality, they're not ready to be at, until a certain thing. I love happens. that key word ready. Cause that's something that I always say to my clients is that key word. Are you ready? Because sometimes it's already waiting there for you, but you have to be ready. You have to understand. You have to understand yourself. You have to understand your limitations. Think about, celebrities who gain success early, you know, child stars. And in so many of those cases with these child stars who had just amazing success at a very early age, struggle as they get older, because the success came well before they were ready to actually use it and accept it and know what to do with it. And so for me, I believe that, you know, success, the real success in your life, not the quick hits. Real success comes when you're ready for it. And what does it mean by ready for it? It means that you understand what failure is, 
you understand the dynamic that failure plays in your life. You're able to understand that all those failures, all it did was create a story for you to tell others as you what get older. What a great way to frame that in terms of failures. It's a story. It's almost part of your story. It, it, it abs- absolutely. And it's one of the reasons I actually get a little defensive when people talk about the fact that there's no failure. You know, it's just learning experience. Well, no, I think we fail. I mean, for a reason, about it. what's that? For, for a reason, sometimes to say we're doing something wrong. We need to fix this. <laughs> exactly. If there was no, if there were no actual failures, then none of us would feel like crap mm. after we let someone down. Right. I mean, mm. there are failures that we have. And I think for me, I, I look at, and I got to this point, and, and when I talk about that, I did have 16 failures between the age of 18 and 30. And people are like, how does that happen? It's only 12 years. How do you fit 16 different failures within it? Well, it's not easy. Believe me, <laughs> I worked at it. Um, there were times when in a year where I'd have two or three major failures business-wise. And I think eventually I got to the age of 30 and I'd been married now at that point for several years. And I had to look back and make a decision that, okay, I can't continue doing this to my wife or my kids. And I now know why I'm failing. And I think that everyone gets to this point, right, where you've been failing and you've been screwing up and and not doing well and you're blaming it on other things or other people or situations. But eventually, a failure hits and you go, hold on, this is me. And to me, the transformation from failure to success really starts with the understanding that you are the one in control over mm-hmm. whether or not you're failing or you're succeeding. And it's, I, I made a post about that today, actually, on LinkedIn about this idea that we have a lot of people out there who things happen to them and they treat themselves as victims in business. You know, my mm, boss is yes, terrible. My coworkers are terrible. I can't sell my product because no one wants it. It's too expensive. All these things. And they're blaming all these other. But in the end, we have a decision to make. I can stay at this job and continue working for this bad boss. That's on me. Absolutely. Continue trying to sell this product and complain about it. And, not, and if I'm not going out and getting help and sales training to sell it, that's on me. And so eventually I got to this point where I looked at everything. I wrote down all these failures and it clicked. And that click was, this is up until this point, this has all been on me. So if I really want success to really start coming, I've got to take it upon myself. I've got to give it to God. I've got to let everyone know that these failures were my fault, no one else's. And I'm going to move forward now and take control of the destiny and the legacy that I want to write. Wow. Wow. That's a moment right there that everyone just needs to pause and listen that, you know, you need to take that moment. Whenever you go through something and you think it's not working, take that moment because your actions do not only affect you, but all the people around you. And it's amazing how you spoke about your family. And the key word that kept coming to my mind as you were speaking was responsibility. We all have that responsibility because if we're not happy in a certain situation, it it really impacts your energy that you bring on to other people. So you need to be so mindful of that. And it's great that you realize that, you know what, I can change this. 
you have the power to change. I think that we, you know, there are victims. There really are. And there are people who are in situations that they can't get out of. That's different than than 99% of people, though. 99% of people have something happen to them that's not good. And that could be job-related. It could be relationship-related, family-related, whatever. And those situations suck, and we can't do anything about them. And sometimes we are a victim in that. But with maturity brings personal responsibility. And what we understand is there was a moment when, yes, I was a victim. Now I have the choice to move on, correct, change the course of what's going on or not. And now this is on me. So whatever happened to me as a kid sucks. When something Mm -hmm. bad happens as a kid, it sucks. And it's the worst thing in the world. But as you get older and you have maturity that allows you to see that, now you have the ability to change that course. Now it's on me. So I can decide to dwell in the past and these bad things that happened and all the businesses that failed and relationships. Or I can decide that this was on me and now I am going to get this corrected. And I think that until we decide in our minds that this is not on anyone else, but it's on ourselves, we can't move forward with success until we get to that point. Absolutely. right it's not even based on age it's based on your ability to think outside of yourself and to look at what's happened and be truthful to to your heart and to your mind and to your soul and to say it ends here and then you can actually move forward and success isn't that difficult at that point that's so true and i the key word you also mentioned was choice you know you truly have that choice and we see the successful some of the most successful people when you see what they've been through and even the upbringing, if you think, wow, but they made that choice. They were very conscious as well. And even in struggle, we can find strength. Even in struggle, we can find meaning. And just being very clear that our situations do not define who we are. And one of my favorite lines is, your start does not determine your end. 100%. Never. And you, you said heart. You said heart, and you've shared this as well on on LinkedIn. You said greatness in sales requires you to think with your heart. You know, you can have all the knowledge, you can have all of those scripts, you can have all the tools, all the technology. But it was amazing how you spoke about that. So share more in terms of, you know, your thinking and how you approach sales with your heart. Think about people that you know who are really very intelligent and I know but I'm not one of those people um, so humble. <laughs> um it's interesting the technology comes through and it changes our style of communication and you can have someone who's extremely intelligent who's going to tell you very matter-of-factly some process something that's going on And this very intelligent person has thought out this this, uh, email or text. They've thought out to to the very greatest detail of all of their facts are accurate. It's all logical. And the person on the other end, because they can't read body language, they can't listen to your vocal tone, they can't do any of that. They see it and they see a period at the end of the sentence 
like it's abruptly ending and they think that you're upset. Mm-hmm. And cl- this happens consistently in business. And the point is we tend to be so f- process oriented, especially in business. And we, we have these processes and we, we calculate things out and we st- strategize everything. And we, we go to the smallest detail to make sure things are perfect. But we forget the difference between a period and an exclamation point when it comes to how someone will take what it is we are saying. One little emoji with a smiley face on the end of a very stern email makes someone feel the world good at of the, the difference. End. Mm. You put a period at the end of that and all of a sudden it's the meanest email you've ever seen. And the point here is that's, that has nothing to do with logic at all, right? It's not logical. It's not, it's not, it's really, to be quite frank, it's not intelligent. It's all emotion. But we know this, that real deep, meaningful change happens with your heart, not your head. Mm-hmm. Salespeople work really hard understanding their craft. Salespeople will go through and learn their product like no one's business. They'll know who to market to. They'll know how to market it. They'll know all these things, but they'll forget one really important thing in sales and in business. Emotions sell, Mm. not logic. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. Right now, by the way, I really want a Jeep. I want a Jeep Wrangler. (laughs) I want it. I've always wanted a Jeep Wrangler. I've never had one. I want a Jeep Wrangler. It sounds simple. I want a Jeep Wrangler. It's my emotion. That's what I want. It makes no sense, though, by the way, logically, because I have four kids, two of them under the age of six. So logically, it makes no sense. But emotionally, that's what you desire. Mm. If I bought a Wrangler, it would not be about logic at all. It would all be about emotion, about desire, about longing, about want. That's why I talked about want at the beginning. It's about want. And if salespeople would focus on the heart instead of the mind, you know, consistently, one, they would treat people better. People would feel, they would feel like they weren't taken advantage of. So important. Mm -hmm. The salesperson cared. And lastly, they would sell more. And so when I say we need to be thinking with the heart and selling from the heart, and working from the heart instead of the mind, it doesn't mean that we stop logically thinking, but it means that we understand that in the end, you on the other side of the table, what you want to know more than anything, more than specs on the product, is that I care about what it is you want. And if if we did that more, I think we would have happier customers, happier relationships, um, better families, just everything would be a lot more seamless to me. Absolutely. And that's something you can apply in all areas of your life as well. Yeah. You know? And and you talked about process. So because we're just thinking, what about technology in a sales process today? And you've also shared to say that AI is going to take your job as a sales or a marketing person. People are like, what? But really, I know there's more to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so my my point in that post was about heart, by the way. And I was uh, back in 2000, before I got into the insurance business in 2007, we were in the mortgage business. And it was before the big collapse in 2007 and 2008. And I remember 
when a company called LendingTree came out. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows who that company is now. But LendingTree was brand new and it allowed customers to go online and get quotes for mortgages. And all you had to do is put your information in and then you could get all these quotes and pick one and boom, fill out the application and you were done. And everyone said, this is the end of mortgage brokers completely. This is the end. There will be no more mortgage brokers because why do you need them? You just go online and get your mortgage and that's done. Well, it did something else though. It actually drove more business to mortgage brokers. People would go online, they would get it, but then they needed that personal touch. That's so true. That's they so needed, true. Mm-hmm. They needed that, that comforting word. And so the point of my post, when I said that AI is going to take their jobs, if you are a salesperson who is sole, or a marketing person, by the way, who is solely focused on process, on systems, on technologies, there's nothing you can do that AI and a computer can't do better. The computer is going to be smarter than you. The computer is going to know systems better than you. They're going to know processes and strategy better than you. You can't beat a computer at chess if it's, if it's on hard. You just can't because the computer knows what you're going to do before you do it. So if you are a process and a technology and a systems person only in sales, eventually you're not going to be needed. Mm-hmm. What, you, what you can provide that AI can't provide is the emotion, the heart, the care, the desire, the things that people actually buy because of. Absolutely. Um, and there was such a great example that you spoke, you spoke about the mortgage industry. And there's other great elements just, you know, talking about that is in terms of the focus. And you, you share that quality and experience of the call is something that people need to think about as well. The other person, so you focus on the person the community impact, and this is a key one I thought was so, you said value over volume. That's absolutely a key one. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually kind of, people get mad at me for that. And I talk about this a lot. I didn't think it would be so. In what sense? Like the, val- the word value? Or- I think one, value has become kind of cliche. People are tired of hearing people talk about value, but not give value. And I get that. There's a lot of people who throw around around keywords that, that don't mean anything. Um, but from a, a longer what's a, sense, what's, what's a good word to say today? Another word for value in 2020. I, I think value is the perfect word. Okay. <laughs> I, I really do. Cause I think here's what we have to do. People who don't like, the word value are you know, jaded. I, I thought it's the actions that support our words. It is. Follow on from our words. So if well, we say value, we are providing that value. And think about it. The reason they hate it, and, and you have to understand, right? We have to put ourselves in other people's shoes. People dislike words like that because people use it quite a bit without actually providing any value, right? There's no action behind it. It's used as a, as, as a, as a hashtag in order to get more likes and views on social media instead of actually being something that's actionable. Um, I, personally though, people dislike value over volume more because it hits central to something that salespeople have been trained for decades on, which is the metrics based way of selling. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you've, you've been in business for a while. We've been hearing about metrics forever that, look, this is about how many people can you talk to? Again, in sales, it almost always is like this. 50 calls equal 20 conversations, 20 conversations equal 10 first appointments, 10 first appointments equal four to five proposals, four to five proposals equal one sale. Therefore, you need to make 50 calls a day, 100 calls a day, whatever that number is. And that's how you'll get business. And so we've been taught through decades that that is exactly what we need to be doing. Well, let's think about what that way of doing business has done. No one, likes tele- no one likes telemarketers or cold callers mm-hmm. anymore, right? There was a time where you could call or heck, I could walk up to your door, knock on it. You would invite me in, give me a cup of tea, and we would talk about life insurance. That's what used to happen back in the day. It does not happen anymore. Even pamphlets, you know, people would give pamphlets and people would actually collect them. Now, no one even stopped. We don't want them because they're given to us in an unsolicited fashion. That's exactly the same as everyone else. And so we, there was a time when, when we could do that. Now, this incessant cold calling and metrics based where we put a value on person, right? We, we say this person is worth one tick on a spreadsheet. This person is worth X dollar in commissions instead of seeing them as valuable in, in human beings. And we've been taught that this is the way to do it. Well, it's made people hate cold callers, telemarketers. It's also made it so that the average salesperson is in their job for less than two years. Well, why is that? It's because they're forced to do these things that are not any fun. They're no different than anyone else. You have people who are yelling at them and cursing them out. You have people who have given now sales a bad name. All of the metrics-based and volume-based kind of sales have really given salespeople outside of an attorney or a car salesman, the salesperson in general has such a bad rap. And so when I say value over volume, it's valuing the person on the other end of the phone, just like what we talked about at the beginning. And it's valuing them enough to, to give them something that's completely different than everyone else is giving them. If you own a small to mid-sized business, especially if, you have, if, you ha- if you're selling anything at all, you're getting 40 calls a month that are cold calls. And those cold calls all sound the same. They do. So there's no value to them. So what's the best way of doing a cold call today in 2020? Not to do them. Um, really? no. <laughs> um, I, so here's, I'm of the opinion, and we talk about it a lot with the rebellion. Um, we believe in experiential sales and marketing. And people say, well, what's that mean? And I say, well, whenever I talk to someone, the goal is not to sell them. It's not. I'm a salesperson. It's not to sell them. My goal is to offer an experience that's unique, that gives them value, and that forces them to remember me every time. So if you think about it, Hey, Laura, this is Josh Deshay with ABC Insurance. I just wanted to call to see if you had some time to set up for us to talk about how my services could help you save 15% or more in the next year. Does Tuesday or Thursday work? Every single cold call almost fits that script. And so 
I know so, it sounds like I've heard that you know so many times. As soon as you started, I thought, okay, I know where this is going. Right. You and you knew exactly where I was going to go, which then put a script in your mind of how you're going to turn me down. And and so if I instead and and by the way, all of those calls, forty calls a month, just start to run together. There's no value in those calls. There's no relationship in those calls. There's nothing that sets you apart. So that salesperson basically has to call at the perfect time. Like the stars have to align. Angels have to come down from the sky and say, okay, buy from me now, right? That's the only way it works. And so instead, I'll give you an example. I was working with some realtors. Mm-hmm. And they do in real estate, they do these just listed cards in the United States. I don't know if they do those in other countries, but we just listed a house. They mail them out to the neighborhoods. Oh, yes, they do that in Australia as well. Yeah. And, and usually in the back, they'll have like open house information on it. We're having an open house on Sunday. And so he he gave it to me and he said, what do you think? And I said, OK, I'll tell you what I think when we meet next time. And I brought it back and he goes, where is it? I said, I threw it away. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I wanted to show you what everyone else does with this because it's exactly the same. And so instead I said, do this. And this gets along to your cold call and how I would do cold calls. Instead, we wrote a letter. And the letter said at the top, you know, it was typed out just like a regular letter, mm-hmm. had some pictures of the house on it. And it said, we just listed 141 Ambrosia Lane. There on Sunday from two to five, there's an open house. We do not want you to come. Do not come to our open house. Do not come and enjoy the bouncy house for kids and the refreshments for everyone else. There will be alcohol and a a TBAC license. That is creativity. (laughs) Do not come. We do not want you to come. By the way, because we know if you come, all you're going to do is take our ideas and make your house prettier and not list it with us. So don't come and see how amazing this house is on Sunday from 2 to 5 with the bouncy house and the refreshments. Thank you so much. And then... I had them call on those. And so we sent out to the neighborhood, right? I think we ended up sending, it was like three or 400. Mm. And mm. Sent three or 400 of them out. And that next week, all they did was call on those letters. And they had like 900% growth when it came to their open house on Sunday. And so why is that? Well, that would have worked with a small business or an individual because they, these people get dozens of just listed cards monthly, right? With houses that are listed, they're all the same. They're on a postcard this big and they, they say how wonderful the house is. Please come out and see. Instead, they got a letter that was signed that basically said something completely off the wall. Don't come. It's amazing. You're going to love it. Your kids would love it. You're going to love the referral, but don't come. We don't want you there. And then they called on it. And so now instead of saying, Hi, I'm Jeff with Remax. We have a just listed house down the road. We'd love for you to come to the open house. Instead, they could call and say, Hey, did you get my letter? What letter is that? Well, I'm Jeff with Remax. Did you get my letter about the open house? You can transform the situations, you realize, if anything, right? You just have to be creative. You have to use your imagination. 100%. And so think about that. While the other people are calling, if it's a realtor, for instance, the other realtors are calling and it's a cold call. You've never talked to them. You have no shared experience. You get hung up on and now you're labeled as the jerk. Instead, 
you call and you both now, you have the experience of sending it out and making it. They had the experience of reading this thing and laughing with their spouse and putting it on their calendar to actually go. And now you can call them and have share this experience together. That's not a cold call, but I could do 200 of those and you could make a thousand cold calls and I will have better end result numbers because I have more conversations. I have people that are interested in talking. My conversation is longer and I will close more. And so that's the idea when I say value over volume, offer value in an experience to the person on the other side. Now, that's an incredible example, I think, for us to also think it's about the communication and the words that you use. And then also the intention and the motive as you do do it, because it was very you think it was very honest in saying we've got these amazing things it's kind of like if you don't come you're missing out but in a very very creative way and you spoke about the word teaching we've been taught a certain way and so when we think about education now and in the future we see the importance of you know what are your thoughts of getting a college degree traditional education because we see today now I know from personal experience you learn by doing you learn around people who have the experience as well. I, um, I've also stepped in trouble for my viewpoints on education. I think people get it wrong, by the way. I, I didn't finish college. Um, there were things that happened in our family that made me leave and go home and help. Um, and I believe that that made me stronger and better at what I do today. That's not to say I don't believe in education. Um, but I do believe this, that we live in a time where we have more information at our fingertips than ever before. Yes. Mm -hmm. We live in a time where getting older now is viewed upon negatively than ever before, in my opinion. Um, We have, you know, what you're starting to see, right? Our older generations are starting to, to leave. And you have, I think the earth right now, I was reading the other day, is younger than it's ever been. Hmm. What does that mean? the longer I take to get into the workforce and start working and getting experience and, and doing what I have to do, the harder and harder it's going to be to succeed. If I take two people, I take an 18 year old who um, is over on this side and you take an 18 year old over here, this person over here wants to get his master's degree eventually. So in the United States, six years in school, this one over here gets an associate's degree, two years, technical learning, getting everything done. They're out of school, right, by the age of 20. The other one is in school to the age of 24. This person right here is going to make a ton more money than this person here. And by the way, they're probably going to be happier long term. They're not going to have the student loan debt this person has. That is something that's so important to think about as well in terms of the financial, um, you know, the financial resources that you require and thinking about that long-term as well, the time that you spend about four, five years, six years. Well, and we live in a different time, right? It's so different. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, we didn't have online colleges. Um, Almost every single uh, professional job you got required you to have a degree and the degree almost guaranteed you a position. Now we have people who are graduating with masters and higher on their degrees. They can't get a job. The job market's so tight or people aren't hiring or we have COVID and everybody's being laid off. We have to get to this point where the investment that you make does not 
equate to a good sound financial decision in the long term because you're not guaranteed a job, you're not guaranteed a great salary, and you're guaranteed a, a huge bill and monthly debt. And so to me, I think education is important. I think where you get your education to me is probably more of the discussion now. Do you have to get it from a four or you know five-year um, public or private university, or can you get it online? Can you get it through training on the job? Can you get it through experience? Can you get it through technical schools? Can you get it in a way that doesn't put you in so much debt that your grandkids are paying it off? To me, that's the discussion that I'll be having with my kids. Um, if they want to go to college, fantastic. What do you want to do? Okay, then you need to, if you want to do that, a degree is not required. Or if you want to be a nurse, okay, here are the schools that are best for you to go to. And so it needs to be more strategic than it's, than it's ever been because we have to make sure that we're setting up our kids for success long-term. And 100, $150, $200,000 student loan debts don't set them up for success. Absolutely. It doesn't make financial sense. And it really depends. I think you have to find out what your definite purpose is because obviously mm -hmm. there are professions where you do have to do a degree, but you have yeah. to know what is a definite purpose and not just to do something for the sake of doing it. And as we know, knowledge is not power. It is a potential power. It's what you do with it. That's right. And I've been in roles as well. I, you know, Josh, I, I would say, give me a graduate. I'll teach them within a month and they'll be able to do this. You yeah. do not need to go to university for four years to do some of the roles that are available. It's, it's so easy to, yeah, especially with technology today as well. And things are constantly changing. I think this is a, and it's a really important discussion for salespeople. Many people in sales right now are in sales because they had to be. They wanted to have a job in operations. They wanted a, a, a different position, but the position required a degree. And so they had to go to find a way to make good money without a degree. And so they were pushed into sales. And I think we're getting to a point, and we will pretty soon, that people will have, you know, more opportunity. People will treat salespeople with a little more respect, even though they don't have a degree. I think that that world is changing. But I do think that we need to continue pressing forward with the idea that education is important. 100% educating, understanding, learning is, it should be a lifelong goal, but where the education now is not, is not determined upon, am I at a physical university anymore? It shouldn't be at least. Do I have a degree from Harvard or an Ivy League school or the University of Texas or, or wherever? Did I get the information I need in order to succeed in the career that I want to be in? And that should be what matters. Mm, absolutely. And really understanding what the true definition is of educate, you know, education, what it really means. And so that's really to draw from within, to also give. And so you realize sometimes you learn things and it's not always being used. So you have to be very mindful of that. And right. so, I, you know, we're going to talk about success now. So specifically success, what does success mean for you with all of through the journey that you've been through in your career and your life? How would you define success for you and what, what makes sense today? So success is interesting because I used to, when I was younger, I defined success. It was, it was very, 
it was very easy to define it, right? Success to me was money. It was money. It wasn't receive. It wasn't even respect or title. It was money. And Josh, and where that, did that idea come from? Where do you think that idea came from? It came from not having money growing up. I, I you know, obviously, I, I haven't had anybody tell me that, but I'm pretty sure that's where it came from. You know, we, we didn't grow up with much money at all. We were, we were pretty poor, um, and so we would look at the people who had. I mean, we thought people who had three car garages were. I think they were millionaires <laughs> and, and, you know, the guy that had a new car, you know, had a new Toyota was someone who we just were like, wow, that's amazing. And so I think that a lot of that is your upbringing, right? What are your parents teaching you about money? What are they teaching you about success and failure in life? And, and, and to me, success as a young youngster, and then as a young business professional was money. And it wasn't really for me until I had kids that my definition of success changed. And, you know, in my thirties, when I, when I finally became, started to become successful in things, um, success to me meant the ability to not have to worry about where money would come from to buy bills or to pay bills and to buy groceries and that sort of thing. So small steps to me, success was being able to afford the things we needed. Now that I'm 44, you know, I'm in, people would say uh, my kids would tell me that I'm way over the hill, but you know, I would say I'm in the middle now, right? I'm not at the beginning of my business journey. I'm not at the end. I'm kind of in the middle to me. Now success is more about legacy building. Mm -hmm. What is the legacy that I'm, I'm so with you on that? It's so building right now, right? What is the legacy that I'm going to eventually leave behind for those who knew me? What are people going to remember most when I'm gone? Are they going to remember you know, a shouting match that I had with someone? Are they going to remember a, um, a fight about money? Or are they going to remember the fact that I cared about them? I gave value. I didn't care so much about the end result as I did about the journey and the relationship. Because I really don't anymore. I know that when I care about the relationship, all those other things, the money, the sales, all those things happen. And they have to happen, right, for us to have the careers that we have. Absolutely. But when I, the success now to me is remembering consistently that the real benefit to doing what I do comes in the journey and the relationship I build with people, with my kids. You know, we just went to the beach, being able to walk with my two older daughters on the pier when the sun was setting and seeing the sunrise, sunset and being out there with the water and the waves and creating a memory that they're always going to remember. That is success. Being able to help a client go from, you know, on the brink of bankruptcy to moving and now all of a sudden they're moving into a bigger, nicer, more extravagant location and able to hire more people. That's success. The, the money and the, all that kind of stuff follows it. It comes me, with it. That's right. just completely changed. And I think it, in the end, to answer that question, it depends also on what stage of life is the individual in. And I don't hate on or I don't get upset at people who are younger whose success is money because I remember that. I don't get mad at people who their definition of success seems average because they're just trying to pay bills because I've been there. We're all in this different walk. And we're all in different stages of our life. And those stages have different, differing levels and differing definitions of what success really is. And so we just have to take the definition and the time that we're in and be as successful with that definition as we can.
Wow, what a powerful, powerful response. And it makes us think as well about legacy, success, and what legacy are you leaving? What impact? And I absolutely resonate with what you just said because every moment in our life, we are always evolving. And we always have to learn and we always have to be conscious about what success means for us. And even more so today when we realize that about the legacy, about the purpose, about making that impact. I think for me, even more so today, and as every single day goes by, I thought, am I making a difference today? You know, what am I doing today to add value to the lives of other people? And we can do that today, especially in the world we live in. We can reach so many people. And so it's been an amazing, 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 like the conversations we've had, Josh, we've been going so deep. And you realize that sales, it's not just business. You think it's from the heart. It's about emotion. It's about caring for other people, trying to deliver value, true value, long-lasting value, leaving that legacy. And, you know, Josh, he has a special gift for us. He's going to sing for us, right? (laughs) I don't have my guitar today. Um, That's why you have to connect with Josh online. So on LinkedIn, it's Joshua and and he, yeah, he's entertaining, I tell you. Okay, so let's see here. What am I going to sing? Let's sing, oh, I love you too. So how about that? Um, (laughs) And you give yourself away. And you give yourself away. And you give, and you give, and you give yourself away with or without you, with or without you, I can't live with or without you. There you go. Wow. Truly amazing, incredible, a gifted person. And I'm so glad that you're using those gifts to share and connect with other people as well. So we just want to thank you so much, Josh. Make sure you connect with him. Thank you as well to the sponsors. So you can visit them on their website. It's www.thesalesrebellion.com. They provide so much value. And I mean, you've heard Josh speak today. He's been incredible. It tells it like how it is. And it shows that long-lasting relationships, all of that, it truly matters. And being creative and using your imagination as well in your sales process. So we just want to thank you so much. Absolutely. It was great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Being to love it. What you think about, you bring about. But just make sure you also speak it out. Don't allow your silence to kill your dreams. Make it happen and know the universe is on your side, especially when you know exactly what it is you want. If you put your focus, energy and positive thoughts on what you desire, you'd see the abundant opportunities come your way. Whatever it is, if you have that burning desire, it's as if it was meant to be. You feel it in your heart and it moves you to action. The universe gives you what your heart desires. Speak your dreams, speak it out, and do not silence your dreams. Keep your voice and visions alive. For pre-orders of my book, Your Silence is Killing Your Dreams, register on my website www.lauraerivero.com and I'm sure to keep you updated on the release.